The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls, and I am a business owner. <laughs> How do you follow that? <laughs> My name is Eric Hall. 
I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers, an engineer, and a husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina with you this past weekend and your lovely wife and one of your teenagers running the tobacco relay. Thanks for your hospitality, buddy. Hey, the Hall Hotel is always open for friends like you, George. Anytime. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I, had a, I had a good time. We're going to talk all about Tobacco Road Relay here in just a few minutes. But first, let's hear what's going on with Michelle, the business owner. <laughs> Not much. Just, uh, you know, starting business life. It's exhilarating and exhausting and exciting and terrifying. And I'm doing the best I can to try to pretend that I'm still a runner right now, but uh, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, last time we talked, you were talking about how you went out for a run like at nine o'clock at night. And the next day you ran at six o'clock in the morning and all sorts of other weirdness. So, so what is yeah, the status I've of your running right now? Done really good. Sunday, I was out like in the six o'clock hour, Monday, my AM or PM, which is a question I thought I'd never have to ask. No, AM. I'm trying okay. to, Sunday was actually, I totally under estimated the just the heat and the humidity even though i think it was only in the high 60s and i got to the five mile point turnaround and my apple pay didn't work at the gas station and the guy <laughs> gave me the bottle of water and it was like a dollar 24 and i've i've never felt like i was gifted you know such grace from a stranger um and i as soon as i got home and you know my kids were settled and fed i got dressed and showered and i went back and gave him his dollar 24 and i was so thankful. I was like, I would not have made it at home. You, you didn't bump it up a little bit. You didn't round it up to a dollar fifty. You kept it at dollar twenty-four. How very accountant of you, Michelle. <laughs> well, I wanted to buy another drink, but they didn't have the drink that I wanted, so I just. Oh, so you went to one of his that. competitors. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing a nice thing. Anyway, I felt like I should pay him back his money because if it ever happens to me again or for any other runner, um, you know, it just puts in a good name. And then Monday. Absolutely. I ran mid morning and yesterday and this morning I was up early again, but it's really hard to get up that early. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I yes, mean, it is. I'm, yes, it uh, is. Thinking about all these years of being up and out before 5 a.m. And man, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do that much more. So we'll see, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's as soon as you kind of take a step back and realize that you don't necessarily have to get up that early. And if you have to, it's a totally different situation. So for years and years and years, you did have to. Right. Um, but now that you don't necessarily have to, eh, maybe it's not yeah, necessarily it's, the best time to actually do it. So yeah, Very it's pretty, uh, I got a bug today about rim to rim to rim. I just need to figure something out because I need something to do. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably not going to happen this year, but I definitely find myself on ultra sign up a lot the last week. Um, I keep looking for the same weekend in the same places and there is nothing. I keep thinking something's going to show up, but it's not going to. So, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Very good. So Very good. Just, just, just on that, Michelle, what did I say to you earlier today when you mentioned rim to rim to rim? You said that you looked it up and that it piqued your interest and that you are going to make plans and we're going to go out there and do it. <laughs> Side note. Why did you have to look it up, Eric? You'd never heard of rim to rim to rim. Yeah, I, I don't understand that part. You know, I had heard of it, but I had never investigated it to the point of going, wow, I'd, I'd actually like to do 40 mm -hmm. miles and 10,000 feet of elevation. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I could see that. So so you, you, ne you never looked into the actual feasibility of no. 
the effort itself. Yeah. So there's a, a couple of folks that we know that the from here in the Atlanta area that did it recently um, within the last couple of years. And one of the things that I remember one of them said was how much of it is in the dark. She said that was the thing that really caught her off guard, because even though you're running a lot of it after sunrise, it's still dark when you're inside the canyon because it takes a little while for the sun to rise up high enough in the sky for it to actually shine down into the canyon. I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, by all means, podcast listeners, if you have run rim to rim to rim before and you have advice to offer to Michelle, reach out. Yeah, I've heard the best times to go are um, March, April, which is a very bad time of year for me. Um, mm -hmm. But also a little bit of feedback that late fall works also. So if you have experience running in late fall, please reach out. I want all the information I can get. So late, late fall might work for me also. Okay. It's far enough okay. after uh, Peyton's and Doggettville um, and Blue Ridge. Yeah. And right, well, yeah, I'm sorry, I actually said Peyton's, I meant Blue Ridge. Okay, it's I was gonna say before. it was, it was Pey yeah. Peyton's is in March, and I was like, it's plenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah April, April, March is a bad time frame. So, yeah. but uh, Michelle, I would like to clarify I did not say half of what you said, I said <laughs> my five minute internet research got me very interested. You know, but the what I said you said next are like the next things that you're supposed to say. I, and I know that because your response was okay, she was giving you the benefit of the doubt, Eric. Take it, man. Take it. Her, her response was that's music to my ears. And I'm like, no, I said I was interested. And she's like, That's all it takes. Me. I'm well, excited for the two started... of y'all to do rim to rim to rim this fall. That's going to be super cool. It'll make for a good uh, podcast episode. Hey, can I give you my handheld recorder? And when y'all get down to the bottom. You can actually like record how it's gone so far. And then when you get up to the first rim, you can record again, like how it's going, like, like in progress race report. That would be fantastic. Well, George has already figured out the logistics once we're running in the Canyon and Casey could probably figure out the rest and I can For just sure. text your wife, Eric, and make sure it's okay. And we're good. So the only plan, the only issue, put the it on the calendar. Issue. Everybody else does this and they, they start. And then they, what is it? You start it wherever and you finish over at the other spot. I'm trying to remember what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So I, you have a little bit more research to do, man. You yeah. start and then you finish over at the other spot. No. That's like it's every like a event. Y. It's so, like a Y. You start on one piece of the Y and you go down to the bottom and then you come back up to the other piece of the Y. Right? It's just three climbs. Okay. Just three climbs. I mean, you know out of the out of the actually grand canyon so it's only, there's it's only two climbs rim. dude only two climbs yeah no there's rim to rim and there's rim to rim to rim oh do you come back up to the original starting point when you yeah. do rim to rim to rim you have to get yes. back up and out of the canyon <laughs> yeah yes so, so so you go you go down into the canyon then up then down into the canyon and back up rim yes. to rim to rim yeah I'm, and I'm so, so so it's 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 two descents and two climbs and you got to get out of there by like a certain time or else you're, you're, you can't, you're stuck. There's like a ranger station and they have like edible food for, I think the rangers go in a week or two weeks at a time. Um, but you don't really want to get stuck there and have to sleep there. So. Okay. Right. I'll do a little more research. Cool. There we go. Uh, Eric, I mean, I obviously don't need to ask what's going on with you because not only did I see you this past weekend, but now the only thing you really have going on is rim to rim to rim. <laughs> that is not true at all that is not true at all 
<laughs> what so, else is happening in your life, man? So I, I'm in a I'm in a running break. Um, I I pushed myself through the Tobacco Road Relay, and now I'm I'm taking a break until about the 21st of May. That's a specific date. I'll talk about that in a second, but this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to get serious about this hip recovery with, with no running. So it's tough. I watch my wife and daughter go out for runs each day, and then I get to hear them talk about them. And um, I just wish I was out there. Uh, I did get a little bit of, um, I did get a little bit of out of my system yesterday because I did uh, the Zwift race, mm -hmm. um, season three, race five. It was a team time trial. Um, survived that, uh, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm taking a break. You know, I, the hip just hasn't fully recovered, so I figured, hey, why not? It's a good time for it. Um, and then I set the end time uh, uh, with uh, Grace's uh, Keys 100. So um, I'll probably do a few legs with her during the Keys 100. That'll be a you know kind of low impact. It's flat, um, so that'll be that'll be fun. So that's when I'm going to start to run again. But, in, but between now and May 21st, we are in no running. Oh, um, man. What, going what insane, you, but no running. What, what, so what, what, are you, what are you doing in addition to not running to, to rehab it? Oh, so I have a, so I've actually set up a space. You saw it down in the garage. I set up a space and I have a, I have a whole routine I go through. It's a, you know, it's a 15 minute warm up on the bike, low, low wattage. And then I do a series of stretching exercises and strengthening exercises for my hips. So Great. Um, that that seemed to get me through Tobacco Road Relay. I do have a, a little more pain now that Tobacco Road, Road Relay is over. Um, but I'm you know um, I'm in icing, um, ibuprofen if I have to, and then that strength and conditioning program for my hips. So we're going to see how that works. Okay, man. Very good. Very good. Now, I, I do I do have to mention something. I wanted to mention um, uh, Christy, Katie, and Fletcher. Um, Christy, Katie, and Fletcher uh, were the support team for a one James Aldridge, who ran the Boston Marathon. And my two good friends, George and Michelle, when they did the post-Boston uh, rundown, they did not congratulate James for his <laughs> phenomenal performance, which was highly supported by Christy, Katie, and Fletcher. We were just saving it so you could do it, man. Yeah, no, I just really quickly, James kicked butt uh, two hours and 57 minutes. He just about spot on uh, uh, executed the plan that we came up and I had said previously that's his thing he executes plans and he, he did he did a great job um, and I'm just really impressed with him um, I, I love to see my runners um, you know reach their goals and perform well and this was an example of it so uh, good job James and Christy Katie and Fletcher I think you guys had a lot to do with it very cool. Very cool. Well, speaking of Boston, let's mention a couple of quick things related to Boston. So, of course, we had our, our recap podcast two weeks ago uh, in which Michelle and Eric, uh, Michelle and I talked about all the various aspects of Boston, uh, save for one. And that's the one that Eric just mentioned there. Um, but then we had a couple of things that we uh, kind of wanted to retcon a little bit. The first thing is that we were wondering about Scott Fobble's socks. We talked about the brand of clothing that he bought for himself since he was not sponsored. Um, and, and Eric was particularly interested in what brand of socks <laughs> he was wearing. Um, and uh, he did not get back to me on Twitter, but we did find out that his socks, like his shirt, and, um, 
yep. and hat was was Lululemon. So uh, so score another one for Lulu there. Um, we mentioned Henry Richard, um, who uh, whose brother was killed um, in the 2013 bombing. Uh, finished the uh, the the Boston Marathon. One thing that we didn't know when we mentioned that. Uh, was that Henry Richard was actually given his finisher medal by none other than 2014 champion Mev Kofleski himself. Um, and so that thought that was a pretty cool little thing there. Um, and we talked a little bit about CJ Albertson, Michelle and I did. Um, and one of the very last things we said when we were talking about CJ is, you know, it seems like it would be the responsibility of his coach to kind of rein in some of his not so great impulses, i.e. going out and running a marathon distance run at marathon effort uh, only three weeks prior to the race. Um, and the, I, I kind of joke that, well, maybe his coach has a grand plan. Uh, well, it turns out that CJ Albertson's coach is CJ Albertson. <laughs> um, and so, um, and so maybe that's the reason why, uh, uh CJ Albertson's coach is not doing a whole lot to necessarily curb some of CJ Albertson's not so great impulses. Um, and so maybe rather than saying that, that his coach needs to, to do a little bit more, we should be saying that CJ Albertson needs to get a coach that can encourage him to maybe, uh, stem some of those, um, reckless impulses that he seems to have. Now, as a side note, we also found out that C.J. Albertson is a coach not only for himself, and we knew he coached like a college or a high school team where he lives, um, but he also coaches some adults on the side uh, privately. Um, and he is just hired, or he has just been hired uh, by friend of the podcast, Taggart Van Etten. Um, so Taggart Van Etten, who we've also said before on this podcast, needs a coach, has hired a guy that we talk about who also needs a coach to be his coach. <laughs> the whole thing feels very, very strange, but, uh, but anyway. Um, um, it's so perfect. It's, it's just so perfect. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how this plays out. I'm just, I'm really, I'm excited for both of them. So we'll see. I mean, so, so you, you remember when we asked Taggart, we said, what's your favorite workout? And, and he said, my favorite workout is to get on the treadmill and run like miles and miles and miles and miles at the effort at which I plan to race. Um, and clearly that's CJ Albertson's favorite workout as well. Um, and so to the degree that you hire a coach that, that will make you do things that you don't want to otherwise do, which I think is a big, important function for a coach as an adult, um, somebody that can see things uh, without uh, the, the biases that you bring yourself to your training and then can encourage you to do those things that you might not necessarily want to do on your own. Um, I'm not sure necessarily that CJ is going to do that <laughs> since CJ's approach and Taggart's approach seem to be very similar. So, you know, but we'll see, but we'll see. I would love to see both of them do well. Um, and so, so we'll see. I think if CJ could hold Taggart back a bit and then a little more specific road marathon to 18 marathon training, he could be successful with them. I think him getting to the point, you know, it's been a year almost to the day since he ran that hundred mile treadmill world record world record. Um, so I think just getting to the point where when you've become such a public figure and a whole part of your identity is you coach yourself and coming out and saying it's time to get a coach is I agree. a good step. Um, I, agree. I think we've all had the experience of, you know, not shop around a bit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's a good step for him. It might not work out, but there's other people out there that might be willing to coach him after. I, I, I agree. I totally agree with you. And I think that, that, um, you know, 
I'm criticizing, obviously, and I'm, I'm not going to step around that. I'm, I'm criticizing, obviously, Taggart for hiring a coach who is not necessarily going to make him do things differently. But to your point, maybe that's like that's the step right now. The step is hiring a coach, period. And granted, that coach might not make you do anything different from what you normally do, but hiring a coach. And then maybe the next coach he hires will be the one that that actually makes him do things that are outside of his comfort zone and therefore um, benefit him physiologically, sociologically, and competitively. So we'll see. I, 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 I said sociologically, I meant psychologically, but you know, keep going. Yeah. Sociologically as well, I suppose. Oh my God. Are you going to keep going on? <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. You tell me when you're done. <laughs> Anthropologically, perhaps too, but but we'll see. Philosophically, yet to be determined. Historically, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but anyway. Genealogically, right, definitely. I, I, I think I'm done now. I think I'm done now. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> so two things. Uh, to a T, every runner I've coached, I have first started out by saying, this is what you're doing wrong and we're going to change this. <laughs> and almost every one of them, it's you need to stop running so fast all the time, right? So it's, it's and, and then every single one of them is then you need to add in this other element of running to your, to your runs. So um, I think though, like to, to Michelle's point, which is very, um, very good. And in contrast to what you're saying, George, because we're focusing <laughs> on this. Well, no, no, we're, we're focusing I on agree this with there. <laughs> one thing. No, but we're focusing on this one thing that he does. A coach is going to teach you something and it's going to make him better. And that's going to open his mind to coaching in general. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some nugget he gets from CJ Albertson, whether that's just experience or whether that's a training methodology or whether that's a Maybe he says, hey, don't go run, you know, 50 miles at race pace on the treadmill, you know, get get outside more. In fact, CJ Albertson has already told him, get outside more, mm -hmm. stop doing all your workouts on a treadmill. So he's going to convince him to do something. If if Taggart's coachable, he's going to convince him to do something that's outside of what he's been doing. And that's going to make him a better runner. And that's going to open the door to coaching. I think so, so yeah. too. I think so too. And I think that, I think you're probably right. And, and, and certainly I would like to see that. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I want to see Taggart do well. I want to see CJ do well. Um, and so, so I would certainly like the, it, it to, to be a good fit for each of them. Um, I ran a workout on the treadmill today. <laughs> and <laughs> nice how'd that go? Uh, it went all right. You know, I was uh, wearing my Puba Deviate Nitro Elites once again, as I've been wearing them so often lately for these longer efforts in preparation for the marathon that I'm doing next weekend. Um, but the marathon that I'm doing next weekend is not the marathon that I thought I was going to be doing next weekend. <laughs> um, I've changed. We, I mean, unprecedented. George changed his race plan. <laughs> Like, no most pleasant exhaustion podcast listener can even believe it. Say it again, George. We just don't know what to do with this information. I, well, I had been planning, as, as you both know, to run the Sugarloaf Marathon in Maine um, and was looking forward to doing that. Michelle did it a, couple, a few years ago. Um, and I met Joan Benoit at the starting line, took a nice picture with her, like literally 30 seconds before the gun. Um, I was looking forward to, to doing that, among other things, um, at Sugarloaf. Um, and essentially, 
because of family issues and some work issues and everything, it just got to where it was going to be logistically too difficult. It was going to be that I was going to have to go up there like by myself on Friday, fly into Portland, drive two and a half hours of Sugarloaf, stay there, do the race on Sunday, drive back on Monday, fly back. And it just didn't seem like very much fun anymore. Um, and so um, we kind of started looking around and said, well, are there other races that I could do that weekend? Um, and we found a race in Western North Carolina near where the Blue Ridge Relay is run that's directed by none other than the director of the Blue Ridge Relay um, and also the director of the Tobacco Road Relay this past weekend um, called the New River Marathon. Um, and so instead I signed up for that and the whole family is going to drive up there and I'll compete on that on, uh, on May 14th. So next weekend, we'll see how that goes. Um, Still, you know, still a marathon, still looking forward to it. Still uh, not my big target of the year. Um, it is going to be a much different experience in terms of the course. Uh, whereas Sugarloaf was kind of hilly in the first 10 miles and then was very much a net downhill for the last 16 miles. Um, this is a marathon in the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> yeah. you, has, got some, you got some climbs there, George. It's got some pretty big climbs in it. There's, a, there's some long kind of flat, straight stretches along the New River um, in Todd, North Carolina, near Boone. Um, and then there's some pretty brutal uphill, long segments there. Um, so when I started looking for people's race reports, that's what I found is over and over and over again, people talking about how hilly and difficult it was. And so... Yeah, a little bit different challenge than what I originally thought I was going to be doing this spring, but looking forward to it nonetheless. Um, at findmymarathon.com, they rank the weather as being almost exactly the same in Maine and, North, and in Western North Carolina at this time of year, um, but they still nonetheless put the New River Marathon about six minutes slower than the Sugarloaf Marathon <laughs> yeah, based on course. I believe that. Um, and so, so, so we'll see. Um, kind of adjusting my goal a little bit in my head as far as time goes, but I think that's okay thing to do. I'm looking forward to look forward to telling you all about it. Two are you guys going to stay? Are you going to stay in Blowing Rock? Where are you going to stay? Uh, we're going to stay somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Zap Endurance or um, um, they have sold their, their complex. And so, you yeah. know, we won't be able to stay with them um, uh, as you did when you ran your virtual Boston in that same area uh, a couple of years that's ago. Right. Um, but um but I do look forward to, to figuring out some place to stay kind of in that general area and have a nice Western North Carolina weekend with my family there in May. It yeah. should be fun. Downtown Blowing Rock is fun. Great little town. You know, George, those two climbs are pretty tough, but, yeah. but the backsides of both of those mountains are worse. You're like doing, <laughs> going down, going down them. You mean? Yeah. You're going 300 feet per mile. Down, yeah. which yeah. sounds oh i'm gonna go so fast on a bike i mean <laughs> you, your legs can only turn over so fast and the faster you go the more it hurts you're right you're right that, to have that that 10 mile mark you know 300 feet of elevation change down in a mile and then i think the other one's 300 feet in like a half mile or something yeah that's, it's a little crazy that's crazy there's some steep yeah, downs fun, there man. I, uh, I did find this week uh, a study was released that Lab Rat Rundown put on his Instagram that shows that uh, Nike Labs and uh, in conjunction with some, some college professors uh, did a study in which they inflicted muscle damage on athletes, basically. And usually when you do that, you have them do a downhill run. And then they came back 48 hours later um, and they found that that 
plated shoes, so-called super shoes, um, still gave an efficiency boost to athletes, despite the fact that they had muscle damage. So even with the presence of muscle damage, you still get a boost from super shoes. So maybe I'll be relying on that study in the back of my head here in the uh, final 10 K of the race. We'll see. So, so going back to that, now you brought the shoes back in. Cause I was going to mention this a minute ago, you sent a picture <laughs> to us earlier today yes, I and did. I just don't under, did you, did you pop a blister? What did you do to your foot to do that to the shoes? So, well, so, How do you draw blood on a treadmill workout? Yeah, what so, are you? What are you because doing? Because I'm that hardcore, Michelle. So, <laughs> so but, but, but to, to be clear for our listeners, I sent Eric and Michelle a picture earlier today of my Puma Deviate Nitro Elites uh, immediately post-workout uh, with some blood on them. Um, and I said that that was Michelle's worst nightmare because Michelle is the sort of person that literally runs 500 miles in a pair of shoes and they look like they just came out of the box. <laughs> That's because um, she actually washes them every time. I do she not wash them. them. So she like, yeah, she like cleans them and yeah, buffs them and all sorts of things like that. One time after going over ankle deep at the river around that loop that gets flooded, I took them into the bathroom and rinsed them off. That was as much for my car as it was for my shoes. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll take your word for it. But uh, George, what happened here? So, well, no, during the tobacco road relay, um, and I don't think you saw, actually saw this, Eric, but I started asking y'all for a fingernail clippers or toenail clippers or a, or a bandaid, but you were getting ready to start your, your last run. Um, so, um, but the one where I, he got lost, the one where he got lost. Yeah. Um, and so there was a, um, there was a, I had a nail that was very sharp on one edge and I needed to cut it and I could, I didn't have anything to cut it with. And so I kind of started tearing at it. No. Um, in order to try and and I and I essentially tore my nail, um, in in a not great way, um, and it doesn't hurt <laughs> happily, um, but not great way. So yeah, <laughs> um, but it doesn't hurt, but but it did start bleeding, and it started and it hasn't bled that much, but it started bleeding today on the treadmill during the uh, the workout that I did. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Oh, I'm mostly fine. for I'm the good, shoes. Man. I'm good, mostly man. I'm good. Um, no worries about me. So, um, and if anything, if I do have just like that small touch of pain in my toe in the last 10 K of a marathon next weekend. I'm like, like Darth Vader, man. Like the pain feeds me. No, you got to think back to, um, I figured you'd appreciate the star Wars reference here on May the 4th. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was... <laughs> anyway, what were you about to say? I interrupted you. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I used a Jedi mind trick on you and completely took it out of your head. Well, you know, there are, there are certain, Oh my gosh. I can't believe you just said that. Um, <laughs> so what I was going to say is you just, uh, what is it again to Carthage? Mm -hmm. Is that the one where he runs the marathon at the end of the book? It is. And he gets the blister mm -hmm. that develops into like, I guess he, his shoes like full of blood you know, at the end of the race. So I was just, I was going to say channel your inner again to Carthage. There we go. Maybe, maybe not. That's a fine idea. That's a fine idea. Um, by the way. Okay. So one other quick thing to say about Boston um, and to, to kind of go back and, and mention things about Boston and it has to do with shoes. Um, and we talked about Nell Rojas and we talked about Scott Fobble and the way that both of them gave up their shoe sponsorships. Um, Nell Rojas at the very, very last minute, basically. Um, and that ignited some conversation inside the endurance sporting world about uh, sponsorships and the nature of sponsorships and that sort of thing. And Nell Rojas in particular had said that she was sponsored by Adidas, 
but then just kind of came to this place after trying to wear the Adidas shoes a few times, she's like, the shoes just don't work for me. And so she went back to wearing, wearing Nikes and, and just and wearing a, an all black unsponsored kit. Um, I thought Gwen Jorgensen had an interesting point about this on Twitter. Um, and she said that, that one thing that you have to understand when you're thinking about Scott Fobble and Nell Rojas is that if they want to be sponsored by one of these, by any company, um, they really are only going to be able to, to wear one pair of shoes because every company only has one pair of super shoes. So 10 years ago, if you were sponsored by Adidas, you could have chosen from 10 different Adidas racing flats and you could have chosen the ones that work best for you from 10 different pairs of shoes. Same with Nike, same with, with Asics, same with all the rest of them. But now if you choose an Adidas sponsorship or if you have an Adidas sponsorship, that only really truly comes with one pair of shoes, the Adidas Adi Zero Adios Pro 2, right? Um, and, and I think that's a very interesting point. Um, had, Nell, had this all been going down 10 years ago, Nell Rojas would have said, okay, well, these particular pair of, of Adidas shoes don't work for me. So Adidas, give me some other pair of shoes that you have that would work for me better, perhaps. Um, but we're at a place now in the world of shoes where, where you only really have one choice when you're sponsored by a shoe company. I thought that was Nike an interesting too. So Nike, Nike has, has the Alpha Fly and the Vaporfly. You're right. So they're the only ones that have two. Skechers, Skechers I guess you could argue, has a couple. They, they have the yeah. Speed Elite. They have the, the Razor XS and, or the Razor Plus um, and the, uh, and the Speed, Speed Freak. Freak. Yeah. Um, but Adidas has one. What I think you've just pointed out is a way for other companies to to get to the masses and to get runners to run for them that could get their shoe out there is to offer more than one option more than one car yeah. option true yeah and you'd say like well asics did that right yeah i mean i really think what this exposes to an even higher degree than we already know it to be true are just the flaws in the sponsorship model uh, and professional running right now. Um, because why would Nike offer Scott or Nell money if they're representing them for free? Arguably, Scott and Nell wearing Nike Alpha Flies for the Boston Marathon for was amazing <laughs> advertising for them. Um, I mean, Scott's situation is a little bit different. His contract with Hoka Nazalite ended and, um, whereas you know, Nell was just in the beginning of a contract and she walked away from it when she was actively sponsored by them. So, but yeah, they've both said that they would like to be sponsored by Nike, but I can't figure out why is it worth it for Nike to pay them when they're doing what Nike wants them to do for free. <laughs> exactly. I agree. Exactly. I agree. And, and, and you're totally right too, Michelle, that it's probably it's probably an even heavier endorsement of Nike that they're doing it despite they're not despite the fact they're not being paid, right? It's an amazing yeah. endorsement for Nike. <laughs> right, right. And so so if, if Nike were now turn around and pay them, they would actually be lessening the endorsement. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I so I have a tangential conversation that came up today um, about shoes with one of my runners. Um, one of my runners, her name is Carrington and she actually works for Fleet Feet. And she sent me this message today. And I wanna get your two, your feedback on this because her message today said, what do you think about the Saucony shift? 
And for those who don't know, there's, there's three shoes, the endorphin line, sorry, the endorphin shift. There's three lines in the, or three shoes in the endorphin line. There's the shift, the speed, and the pro. And most people, well, let me, let me stop there and say, George, Michelle, have you even considered that shoe as a shoe you'd run in? No. Yeah, but I think it's probably the most underrated shoe in the lineup. I personally didn't wear it because I didn't like the way it looks on my foot. But it's a fantastic just daily shoe. That is what I was what I eventually got to in talking to Carrington and George. What was your response? I said no. I've never worn it because I it, it's more of a uh, it's it's more of a beefier um, trainer and even like motion control shoe in it. I, I don't think it's a motion control shoe. I think it's a more cushioned daily trainer shoe. When you think back to the, how they marketed this, they, they marketed these three shoes as the only shoe, like, like uh, I don't know what you call it, brotherhood or, the, or whatever, that you need. And they said you, you train in the shift, you do your speed workouts in the speed, and then you race in the pro. And Carrington bringing this up in the conversation made me think, that, you know that what? That suite of shoes. We've talked about other, yeah, other ones. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the suite of shoes. And, and there's not... I don't know of another company that has done that. And I don't know how similar the, the speed and the shift are, but I can tell you the pro and the speed, they feel almost like the same shoe to me. I can tell the difference and I, I want to race in the pro. It has the carbon plate, but they fit my foot so similarly that, that that's phenomenal. If I could just stop looking for other shoes and wear that shift, I might just do that. I don't care what it looks like. I'm and they do made that. the suite purposely for that. The shift right. is the everyday shoe. The speed is the workout shoe. The pro is the racer. Right. But and, what and I they're, think, and they're, and they're not the only ones to do that. I think. I think Puma was trying to do that with the Deviate Nitros. I think yeah. that that. I think. I think there's a. That's one of the reasons why they're all. All the names are so confusing right now. Skechers <laughs> trying to do that with the Razor. It's because it's because they they name them all such similar names that Did you Skechers up, come up with. Um, 10 different ways to run for the 10 razors that were out there. <laughs> 10 different speeds, like five yeah. second per mile increments. <laughs> right. But I mean, but, but, but that's, but that's kind of the reason why it got so confusing is because everybody was trying to do that sort of thing. And I think well, that but the, they didn't, the, the they didn't introduce one, them the same way though. Well, I, I think the cleanest example of it was, was Saucony's that they kind of said, here's the three shoes and they have distinct enough names, but similar enough names that you can actually yeah. tell them apart. I think all the rest of it just kind of got confusing. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to try it. I, I, I am going to try a pair of those on. I'm going to see how they feel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this, this philosophy because I really, really like the speed and the pros. Every time I put those shoes on, I'm like, wow, this, this is a great shoe. Um, the shift is kind of boring. I mean, you might get the hype from just having all three shoes and feeling like they work great for you, but the shift is like a New Balance 1080 or, you know what I mean? It's just like, that's, that's an everyday shoe. It's a yeah. You know, I think most people though, when they, when they look at the lineup, it's the good shoe, the, the kind of middle road shoe and the, the low end shoe. I don't think so. I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't have $500 to spend on shoes right now. So let me just get the speed because that is what every reviewer, you know, I think is pretty unanimous, just the best bang for your buck. One of the best shoes out there and has been essentially since it came out on the market. 
And I agree with that. The, the concern that I haven't thrown out there yet that is in the back of my mind is the researchers that are looking at plated shoes right now are saying things along the lines of don't run in plated shoes every day. Because one of the aspects that makes you faster about a plated shoe is it forces your foot and then the rest of your the, the chain coming up to your hip to go in a specific plane of motion that makes you more efficient. However, over time, that might cause injury. So you might you need a unplated shoe to run in like the 1080 or I've got the razor plus, you know, whatever else is out there. Does or it the, matter the Adidas the, the speed speed is a <laughs> no, it does. It does not matter what the plate is made out of. It's the fact that it forces your foot into a certain plane of motion. It, it, is this, does the shift have a plate in it? No. No. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I think they've really got a. They've got a very interesting suite of shoes, and I I, I want to try one of those on and see if it fits my foot as well as the Speed and the Pro do. I'm a really big fan of Saucony. I wore the guide for years at least eight years probably just kind of went through every single different version that came out so um i'll, I'll say i'll say that that neither michelle nor i are big fans of the endorphin pro for the long haul um both both she and i have run marathons in them and both she and i have found that around the 18 mile mark that shoe felt like it went through a metamorphosis it just oh, got gosh. really hard it was strange yeah. um and i've, I've had that I had that in the Blue Ridge Relay where the, of course, the mileages were broken up. But then I, when I ran that treadmill uh, 26.2 the day after Christmas on Zwift, I, I wore the Endorphin Pros there. And something just happens to them around, like I say, around the 18 mile mark where they just become really, really hard. I love the Endorphin Speeds. I think it's a great pair of shoes. Um, I wear them on a, on a fairly regular basis for, uh, for up-tempo work. Um, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. But I've never actually raced in them once we were yeah um the other thing that that it makes me think of um talking about all these sorts of things um is is michelle saying that it's just a boring shoe um how, how great is it that we're in a time as shoe geeks where we can actually make determinations about which shoes we're going to wear based on their <laughs> their entertainment value <laughs> okay but i want to just be uh, but ter terrible for our pocketbooks but 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 great for us as shoe geeks um, right but what i want to say about that is i'm currently running in the reebok float ride energy four it is also an incredibly boring pair of shoes <laughs> So just because it's boring doesn't mean I'm not going to spend my money on it. <laughs> it's just a shoe. It's just, you know. I, no, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing you. Okay. I mean, there, there are so many shoes out there that I'm excited about, including several pairs of shoes that I have in my closet right now. I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast knows how, how we've been gushing over shoes over the course of the past two years. Um, and we're in a, I think we're in a neat moment for those of us who like to gush over shoes. Um, we can actually say, I don't want to run that shoe. It doesn't excite me, <laughs> you know? Um, um, all right. Let's talk about a couple other things that, that folks might've missed. Let's talk about um, a guy named Lester Wright. Um, so Lester Wright, and I did actually look up while we we're talking about shoes, about what shoes he was wearing during this race, but uh, he ran the pin relays this past weekend. Uh, he ran the hundred meters in the pin relays this past weekend. And he ran 26.34 seconds for the hundred meters, of the pin relays. That might not sound like much of an accomplishment until you consider that Lester Wright is 100 years old. <laughs> um, 100 years old and throwing down a 26.34 second 
uh, uh, 100 meters for world record. Um, the the pending certification, he will uh, have beaten the previous men's world record um, of 26.99 by Donald Pellman, who ran that back in 2015. I was struck by the fact that, and I think this is super cool, by the way, uh, that Lester Wright um, broke the record, but he broke it by six tenths of a second. Right. I mean, so it was like still <laughs> close, you know? Um, and so like Lester had to go after it. He had to sprint. Right. Um, and, and he was, he was able to squeak under that old record um, and, uh, and set it. Um, the, uh, the crowd of course gave him a standing ovation. He was in the, uh, the hundred meters, the 80 and over section of the hundred meters. Um, and he was the oldest competitor in there. He finished seventh out of nine people in the race, uh, finishing in front of, I think a 90 year old and an 86 year old, maybe. Um, and afterwards he said, if you're going to go out to run a race, you should really run the race to try to win. I don't know how you can run to be second or third. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What a badass uh, dude was, he's an interesting guy. He, uh, he, he's been running since he was in high school. He's been married to his high school sweetheart for more than 80 years now. Uh, he stormed the beaches of Normandy in world war two. Um, he was a, uh, he was a world war two veteran, uh, went, went on, uh, the GI bill to college, um, opened a dental lab in New Jersey, um, which was one of the first black owned businesses in Asbury park there. Um, and, uh, and has been very successful. And now, Threw on a pair of Nikes, not spiked Nikes, I notice. Um, he did not have spikes on the bottom of the shoes, but he did look like he was wearing a pair of like slight racing flats um, and threw down his 26.3400. So kudos to Lester Wright for sure. Um, I hope he had a beer to celebrate. <laughs> I hope so too, man. I hope so too. Um, speaking of sprinters, a slightly faster sprinter, Arian Knighton. Did you see him? Incredible. What do you do when you're 18 and you run 19, <laughs> the fourth four, nine, yeah. or 200? Yeah. Arian Knighton, um, fourth last year in the Olympic, uh, the 2020 Olympics, which of course were held in 2021. Um, in the Tokyo Olympic Games last year, he finished fourth in the 200 meters at 18 years old. Um, and since we we're already talking about one sprinter that's super old, let's talk about another sprinter who's super young. Um, Arian Knighton, uh, last weekend ran 19.49 at age 18. Um, he's been pro for over a year now. He went pro with Adidas. Um, he, uh, forwent his last couple of years of high school eligibility. And of course, all of his college eligibility. Um, and at a meet in LSU, uh, he runs 19.49 at age 18, uh, new under 20 world record, of course, um, broke his own under 20 world record. Um, and, uh, and became the fourth fastest 200 meter runner of all time um, behind only Usain Bolt, Johan Blake, and Michael Johnson. Um, yeah, what do you do when you run that fast at age 18? I mean, <laughs> like what's the trajectory for him? I, I mean, I don't know. Well, what everybody's saying or what everybody's pointing out is that he, he has run faster than Usain Bolt did when Usain Bolt was 18 years old. Sure. Um, so he ran under 19.5. It took Usain Bolt until he was 21 years old to run under 19.5. Um, and and uh, Arian has now done that um, at I, age 18. I hope yeah. he's still running when he's 21, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Um, so super, super uh, impressive guy. Um, uh, the Giro d'Italia starts this week. I know that y'all are both super excited about that. 
<laughs> you and the Justins. <laughs> Me and the Justins are indeed very excited about that. Um, we, so this year to tell you, the Justin. tour of Italy, the tour of Italy, the first of three grand tours starts on Friday. Um, and so 21 stages, three weeks. Um, Michelle, it's the tour of Italy. Do you, can you guess what city it's starting in? Somewhere in France. I don't know. <laughs> no, but you're on the right track. Spain. Eric, do you know? No. It's starting. Gibraltar. In, it's starting in Budapest. <laughs> I was on the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, other side of Italy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but starting in Budapest, they're gonna have three stages in Hungary, then have a rest day, head over to Italy, and uh, and have a very competitive and very exciting, I hope, Giro d'Italia. So looking forward to that. Um, and then last thing I'll say, in case you missed it, um, is the flurry of four by mile efforts that we've seen lately. Uh, Michelle, what do you think about all those? Well, it's bringing a lot of good attention to the sport, I think. It's fun mm -hmm. to watch. Mm -hmm. um, have, you, have you watched any of them live? I've watched most of them. Yeah, I was I was surprised at the most recent one. I thought I really thought these guys would get it, but um, I thought they were really good sports when they didn't get it. I was, I was happy to see that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. I think it'll die down now, though. These guys all have to go back to their individual events and have a real outdoor season and try to qualify for Worlds. So... Um, yeah, I think it's fun to see pro athletes and pro runners specifically, like doing things that are kind of for fun. Yeah, it's know? awesome. Yeah. Um, and and so so the four by one mile world best, there's not a world record in this event, but there's a world best, um, was set way back in 1985 by Team Ireland. They were in 1549 for four by mile. And of course, you can do the math on that and see that they're all well under four minutes per mile. Um, uh, Eamon Coughlin, Marcus O'Sullivan, Frank O'Mara, and Ray Finn, uh, Flynn back in 1985. Uh, and so in the past week, there were two serious efforts to try and break that. The first one was called the Duck Track Club. Um, and it was four guys who are alumni of the... Um, uh, University Oregon. of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, Matt Weisner, James West, Cole Hawker, and Cooper Tier. The latter two, of course, we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, they ran well, but they only came up with a 1552, missing the record there by three seconds. Um, and then this past weekend at the Penn Relays on April 29th, the On Athletics Club of Ben Flanagan, Tom Elmore, Joe Klecker, and Oliver Hoare, and we talked about those last two guys, um, ran 16.04. Um, and so they actually didn't end up, end up coming really close to the record after all. They missed it by a solid 15 seconds there. Yeah, um, they were never close. So, so yeah, their first 800 of the first leg was like 207 or 208 or something like that. And at that point, it's over. Yeah. yeah. And so, so they then had to run another 15 minutes in order to, to, to actually not get the record. Um, uh, also of note, Newberry Park High School um, in California, which is made all sorts of headlines in the endurance sporting world over the course of the last short while here um, during the indoor season ran 1629. Um, Eric, you've coached high school before. I've coached high school before. Can you imagine coaching a high school team from one high school? It isn't like an all-star team. It's four guys who actually go to the same high school. So they like live in the same neighborhood, basically running 1629 for a four by mile indoors. That's you know, indoors four, you, you 407 got, per mile four guys, guys you can run 407 plus per on mile. the same team from the same school yeah so you're basically taking first second and third in every race you run and then mm -hmm. in cross country season mm -hmm. your first four runners are one two three four yeah 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 no they're incredible they had a uh they had a, a 
uh, a cross country meet this past fall where, where their top five average like well under 1430. Yeah. Uh, so for 5k, um, just insane. Yeah. So insane. they're, they're paying their athletes like Walton did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like they did with uh, Michelle, Michelle Fendrick back in the day <laughs> and Danielle Friedman. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're going to talk about the tobacco road relay and then we'll call it a night. Seems like we're going to talk about the tobacco road relay and then we're going to call it a night. <laughs> so sounds good to me. Eric, let's talk about the tobacco road relay. Why don't you remind us of the setup of the tobacco road relay? So as much as we talk about the sure. Blue Ridge relay, this was like the Blue Ridge relay junior. Yes. So um, Ken, who is the uh, director of the Blue Ridge relay. And the New River uh, Marathon. And the New River Marathon, which somebody might be running here shortly. <laughs> um, decided he wanted to uh, another race or direct another race down here in the triangle, uh, which is uh, the area of North Carolina with Chapel Hill, Durham and Raleigh. And uh, we call that the triangle. And he set up a course that starts on UNC's campus. His desire was to run through Duke's campus, but Duke being Duke said, you can't come on our campus. So he ran around, literally he, he came down to Duke's campus, ran around it, ran back up to Duke's campus, and then he jumped on what, uh, what we call the uh, American Tobacco Trail. And it's a, it's a converted trail, used to be a rail to trails program, just call it that. Um, and then he, as you come down the tobacco trail, you cut over and you run into Raleigh, uh, finishing just north of the NC State campus after running through NC State at the uh, Raleigh Brewing Company. So very similar feel to the relay, uh, similar setup uh, because all the rules are the same basically is, is what he has, uh, but just shorter. The total distance was 78 miles. Is that right? Somewhere between About 78 that, yeah. and 79 miles. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were allowed to bring teams of six or less. Uh, we, we brought a four man team, four of our five plus one team that we run at Blue Ridge Relay. And what did I what did I miss, George? What did I miss? So that's pretty much the setup, right? Um, and and the other big thing I would say is that that this was in a much more densely populated area. And so rather than running through the night for this 200 plus mile Blue Ridge relay over the course of 36 stages, um, it was in, contained entirely in a day um, through a much more densely populated part of the state. And so dealing with traffic and navigating the, uh, the turns of which there were many, many more than there normally are, um, those are bigger challenges in this race than there were otherwise. So, so yeah, um, each of us, since there were four of us and there were 12 stages, that meant that we all uh, ran three times. Um, and uh, uh, it was just generally, I think, a more intense race experience. Um, like not only could you and should you run faster because you're merely running three times rather than running the seven times that we run during the Blue Ridge Relay, um, but also the rest, you ended up having less rest. And so, I remember writing in my reflection, the rest felt more intense um, because you had to go ahead and fuel and begin the recovery process pretty much immediately because you were going to have to begin the warm up process and getting ready to run again within about an hour or so. Right. Um, right. And so so even that felt kind of intense. It was still fun. We still had a really, really good time, but the whole thing felt much more much more intense, uh, much more draining and required a whole lot more focus there along the way. Um, yeah, I think when you draw that comparison, you called it like a warm up for the Blue Ridge Relay. 
Hmm. I think it was one of the things I got out of it was it reminded me of the cycle you go through with the Blue Ridge Relay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and you just you just said it, you know, it's it's uh, okay, I warm up, I do my run, I finish my run, I cool down, I stretch, I start my fueling, I might even change, you know, then I, I go over what the next leg is going to be like, and then I still have another hour and a half mm -hmm. <laughs> before I actually run to then do my warm up, my, you know, my final, you know, hydration or, and all that stuff and, you know, get my, my chest strap on and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This was, you know, I wrote down three words to describe the race. It was fun because it's always fun when I get together with you guys. I mean, from the moment you guys showed up at my house to the moment you guys left on Sunday morning, it was a blast. Um, but the second word was intense, um, like you said. And you mentioned something in a text string or somewhere around, you know, we were talking about our friend Brian who did an Ironman. Mm -hmm. And one of his comments was, I had trouble finding the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he used and, that phrase. I, I, I thought that was a very elegant phrase. Yeah, I constantly was running that phrase through my mind during the run because it's it's such a great phrase, you know, finding the present. You can think like the physical present or you the reality of it is the present like now because you can't as opposed to you know, Blue Ridge Relay in the middle of the night, you can kind of switch off a little bit. Your pace mm -hmm. is a little lower. You can kind of get into a rhythm of just like step, 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 step. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to because you got a headlamp and you've really got to think about your turns. This was not like that. This was as soon as you transition from you to the next guy, it's run, 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 run. Mm -hmm. And then you're done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and, you then, and then the you, but then, and then you immediately have to begin yeah. the recovery. You got to jump into the cycle. Yeah. You got to jump yeah. into the cycle. Okay. What's next? Yeah. What's next? You know, drink, drink, drink. And it's also, it's, you know, like I said, it's a warm up because you also don't need to do some of the things you do for the Blue Ridge Relay, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to, you have to hydrate because it was kind of warm and muggy, but you really don't have to fuel the same way because after the second leg, Fueling's not going to do much for you for the third leg. You're too late. You're, you're going to run in an hour and a half or less. You just need to mentally prepare and all that. So, yeah, I think um, fun and intense were definitely the first two words I would use to describe this race. So kudos to Ken. It was, it was, it was fun. What's the third word, dude? The third word, third word is lost. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now we're allowed to talk about this? Oh. So yeah, we, we can talk about this. I have run four Blue Ridge relays. I and then I did the two my first two legs of the Tapakaru relay, and I really did them all the same way. I looked at the map before I ran. I knew the turns. Um, the only in the last Blue Ridge relay did I have turn by turn guidance on my watch because a friend of the podcast Lee Ragsdale hooked me up with that, and then he hooked me up again for the Tobacco Road relay. I have never once, not once, made a wrong turn. Um, that cost me anything in all those legs of, of Blue Ridge Relay and the first two of the Tobacco Road Relay. And my third leg of the Tobacco Road Relay, I, I messed up. I, I did not, I didn't you carry lost a for real. Paper. Oh yeah, it was, and it was, it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely terrifying. You know, I was on pace and then all of a sudden I look at my watch and my watch says, you are a quarter mile off course and, <laughs> and in your four and a half mile leg, and I've run two miles in your four and a half mile leg, you are 4.3 miles from the finish. <laughs> and 
And I was in a sea of people. I had been dodging people on the trail. I mean, people, dogs on leashes, people carrying chairs. I, I didn't, and I said, how did I mess this up? How did I miss the sign? How did my watch not tell me to turn? Like, what, what did I do? And then the next thought was, oh my God, I have no idea where I am. And so the only thing I remembered was the trail, the, the course gets on the Cary Parkway. That's the only thing I remember. And I said, well, it's telling me to go to a quarter mile this way. The Cary Parkway is kind of in that direction. I'm going to keep running until I find a course sign. And so that's what I did. I just kept running until I found a course sign. I found a course sign, got on the Cary Parkway, and I just ran as fast as I could. The problem was I was so, I, I had dropped the present on the side of the trail and there was no finding it again. <laughs> there, were, there was absolutely no finding it again. And it was, that was complete drudgery finishing that leg. And to, to, to cap it all off, I was going up six to 7% grades for the last two miles. It wasn't until I crested the second hill and I could see Brett or George or somebody down in front of me, I was like a quarter mile left that I finally found the present and <laughs> was able to get to the finish horribly upset and apologizing to George and, and Lee and Brett. Cause I was like, I just, well, not Lee, cause he had just left, but that I had screwed up and I, yeah, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So Sorry. I, I didn't get lost, but, but thanks, thanks for I, I, that. I would have the first, the same two first words you did. And my third word would be traffic because some of the same frustrations you had around getting lost um, I had around getting stopped for traffic because we're in a fairly densely populated urban area um, and we crossed a lot of traffic. And I had places where I waited for uh, up to and even slightly over a minute for the cars to clear so that I could actually cross the road. And that drove me insane. Um, but I think but we that, talked about it. That's just part of the race. That's yeah, the exactly. Course, right. Yeah. It's like and, a bad track surface. Yeah. You know? And so, 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 yeah, I think that, that, moving forward i mean we're obviously going to try and avoid traffic the best that we can to the degree that's even possible we're obviously going to try and learn from our mistakes getting lost but i feel like getting lost and having to deal with stopping for traffic and stuff is just something you have to deal with in this race and the same way you have to deal with hills or weather or you know whatever else is something it's something endemic in the race do you know what i mean yeah um, i want to point point out a piece about that one thing we learned to do, what we tried to do was get ahead of the runner at a transition mm -hmm. and push the crosswalk button, Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, we probably got it right once. Right. <laughs> but it was really funny when we were, we were doing this try. transition, we were doing this transition uh, up by Duke and Grace, my daughter had run up and she wanted to say hi to us. So she's talking to me and she and I go down the, the course a little bit to help George get across this intersection. Now, the funny thing is you can see the transition from this intersection. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're less than 40 yards mm -hmm. from the actual transition. And Grace and I are sitting there. And as soon as we see George's head pop up, because he's coming up the sidewalk, we go over and we're like, okay, time it, time it, push the button. Yeah, we push the button. Didn't work. George Didn't work. gets to that crosswalk and he has to stop. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's yeah. looking, he, he can throw something and, and, and hit brett to tell him to start running yeah. but he has to stop and of course all the all the officials are there everything since it's <laughs> since it's the transition area and so i can't just run the light um i had to kind of sit there and wait for the light to actually change yeah that was uh 
that was not great. And, and mind you, that was like the fifth or sixth time I'd actually had to stop for traffic during that one particular leg. So, yeah, so, I yeah. think your, your mile pace might've been over almost like 555 for that mile. <laughs> uh, it was definitely slowed down. If you average in the zero, uh, the, the zero <laughs> that, that, that I was miles per hour that I was moving while waiting at that light for sure, for sure. Um, but it was a good event. I don't know that we'll do it every year. I don't know that we'll be uh, building our schedules around it the way that we do the Blue Ridge Relay, but I, it was definitely a good event. I'm glad that we did it. Um, and I Eric, I, I, definitely, I definitely enjoyed hanging with you. So Same. not to miss the obvious questions here, but what shoes did you guys wear? And did you win? I mean, <laughs> or did Eric just destroy your chances of winning by getting lost in his hometown? We, 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 let's start with <laughs> Let's start with the first one. Yes, we did win. Um, also, just I would like to give a little bit of context. I was I wanted to hear about Eric getting lost and was this question was struck down many times. <laughs> so the fact that he's able to cope with it and speak about it now that it's been a few days, I'm it's good, Eric. It's it's a good it's good sure, process. Sh shows so. growth. Shows growth, buddy. There's, yeah. there's always room for growth. Yeah. Room. Uh we did win. Um we uh we went in there with the fastest get. We 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 had you're supposed to estimate the time that you're going to be able to run. And they, they base your start time based on, on those estimates. And we went in there with the fastest estimated time. Um, and so we knew that we um, had a chance to win and we did. Um, and so that was pretty cool. Um, uh, I, I think it's cool to, you know, there's the inaugural edition of the race and we won it and nobody else is ever going to be able to say that. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, as far as shoes, I brought with me uh, several pairs of shoes. I brought four pairs plus my recovery shoes, plus <laughs> just my regular kick around shoes. Um, and I wore only two of those, um, two of the, the four pair. Um, I ended up warming up in the deviate nitros um, just because those are my regular daily shoes. Um, and then I was planning on running in the deviate nitro elites for one or two of the legs and then doing the remaining one or two legs in the meta speed skies. And I was then going to make my decision about which of those shoes I wanted to wear in the marathon based on how they went. Um, and I ended up wearing the deviate nitro elites for all three. Um, I just liked them and I, I'm, I'm, 99% certain they're what I'm going to wear. Um, and the Metaspeed Sky, after I wore them the one time and the one race in which I wore them, even though I like the feel of them, my Achilles hurt me really bad after that race. And that, that makes me kind of nervous. Um, cool. And so I didn't really want to run into that problem. I don't, I'm not sure what Eric wore. Where, where'd you wear, bud? So I brought my Endorphin uh, Pros, uh, the ones that I used in the Blue Ridge Relay last year. And I brought my Skechers go run speed elite hypers mm -hmm. and you and I had a short conversation about I remember now, well yeah. these legs aren't really as long as the Blue Ridge legs so why go with a marathon shoe why not go with the Skechers mm -hmm. and because the Skechers go run speed elite hyper has five names it must be a faster shoe but clearly so, Clearly. So I ran all three legs in that shoe mm -hmm. and I would say that it was I the like right shoe for me on that day. It, it really, it, I just love that shoe. I do too. It's a cool right. shoe. Very good. So yeah, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. It was great. Michelle, last word. Um, well, obviously congratulations are in order for your <laughs> historic win of the inaugural tobacco road relay, Good last um, word. but I guess I'll just give one plug, uh, for our newish book of the quarter. 
Out of Thin Air by Michael Crawley. I'm listening to it on Audible, as I usually do. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's a good book for long runs. I think just the way that he talks, just long, kind of easy, go out there and get lost in the story. So um, I guess I probably should run a little bit longer <laughs> to really be able to call my long runs long runs. But you know what I mean? So, yeah. We do, Looking we do. forward to getting you guys into that book and talking about it a little, so. For sure, for sure. Eric, last word. Uh, three last words. Uh, thanks, Lee, for the Tobacco Road Relay. If you hadn't come up with the idea, we wouldn't have done it, wouldn't have had all that fun. Thank you very much. Um, awesome job, James, in the Boston Marathon. Uh, can't wait till you get back into full training and we can start looking at the next one. And congratulations, Michelle. Love the fact that you've started your company and I think it's awesome. Yes, indeed. Hi, Echelon. <laughs> Look to them for all your CPA needs. I should listening. probably become a, a sponsor of my own podcast, right? Absolutely. Well, you're going to have to re-record the intro. <laughs> and the outro. Worth it. Worth it. All right. No doubt. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Worth it. Thanks, y'all. Good night. Good night, George. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.